Welcome back. We have so much to talk about this morning with our roundtable. So let's get right to the introductions. We've got an all-star cast for you today. Mark Caputo, Florida correspondent for Politico and author of the Daily Political Florida Playbook. Giancarlo Sopo is a communication strategist, analyst of local, state, and national politics. H.T. Smith, veteran Miami attorney, civil rights leader, law professor, and Justin Safey, the publisher of the online Safey Review, principal with Ballard Partners, the lobbying farm in Washington, and an advisor once to Governor Jeb Bush. To all of you. Supersized round Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Well, and morning. we need it. We need it today. So, <laughs> Justin, let me ask you, you looking at the recount here, I mean, do you have anxiety? Do you, I mean, do you, are you saying to yourself, can these election supervisors do it? Or is it now just a matter of putting, you know, these 8 million or so ballots into a machine and seeing what happens? Well, I have anxiety about the public perception of the integrity of the vote. And people can say that there's no uh, proof yet that any fraud has taken place. But beyond that, the fact that the uh, governor of the state of Florida had to go to court to sue to have the sunshine law, the sunshine law of our state, something that's been in our constitution for a long time that we pride ourselves here in Florida, is embarrassing, it's shameful, and any public official who defends that and defends that public official, defends Brenda Snipes, should be ashamed of themselves. There's no excuse for it because what's more important than the, the, the sacred nature of every single person's vote? And right now, there are a lot of people watching this show and there's a lot of voters that don't know that whether their votes were, were accurately counted or not, and that's terrible. Well, I, I think that we need some facts to try to help alleviate the anxiety that's obvious there. There's no question about the fact that we have a problem with transparency. The, the law specifically not only says that you have to report, but tells you every 45 minutes you're supposed to report. Right. So the supervisor of election was wrong with regard to that. The election law also says that the governor can appoint special officers if there's any indication of any illegality. <laughs> and he can ask the FDLE as well to, he has not done that. FDLE has no indication of criminal activity, and the division of uh, Florida Division of uh, Elections has none of illegality. So transparency is a problem. We don't have a problem with fraud yet. The, the governor has. I'd like to yeah. get your take on. The governor has a really interesting. Uh, position in all of this as the governor of the state. He is the <laughs> boss of elections right. at the moment. He's also a candidate who's watching his lead narrow. And so he got in front of the cameras the other night in front of the governor's mansion and alleged fraud and talked about, a, a, you know, liberals trying to steal the election, uh, won in court over the transparency issue. And yet there has been no evidence of corruption or anything illegal. And he's in the position of someone who could have removed Dr. Brenda Snipes two years ago when there was evidence of her wrongdoing. Right. Well, this is kind of the chickens coming home to roost for the governor to a degree. Uh, I don't understand why the governor had to, in the words of the famous mockumentary Spinal Tap, turn it up to 11. Like, he could have just <laughs> said, look, this is blatant incompetence. And the Constitution gives him the right to remove an officer based on incompetence. Right. But he went to malfeasance and fraud. Now, I Perhaps it's a good thing that the governor is slightly shifting his argument, and now he's saying Bill Nelson wants to is trying to commit fraud, which is a little different than saying fraud occurred. <laughs> right, and right. just to clarify, so here is what Scott's argument is, and there's some truth to it. In one case in Palm Beach County, Bill Nelson's attorneys at the canvassing board had argued to allow a non-citizen voter's vote to count. 
well, non-citizen voters aren't allowed to count. That's a fraudulently cast okay, ballot. Okay, wait, context of that, because that was confusing right. to me. Were they arguing for a non-citizen to vote, or were they arguing the fact that the person they were talking about may or may not be a non-citizen? Well, they were allowing the, the, the fact that the, the canvassing board meets to decide whether certain disputed ballots can come in or not. And they, the, the election supervisor had ruled that it was a non-citizen. Yeah. And therefore, it, it shouldn't count. In the yeah. second case, Bill Nelson's attorneys are going to court and they want vote-by-mail ballots where the signature on the envelope doesn't match the signature on file to be included. Currently, those are considered yeah. illegal ballots. That having been said, there are thousands, tens of thousands, possibly, yeah. of legally cast ballots from people who get their ballots rejected. All right. Yeah. Giancarlo Sopo, great to have you join us here this morning. So what is your take? Are you feeling a degree of anxiety or do you think it's going to be worked out? You know, 3 p.m. Thursday is when all 67 election supervisors have to turn in their results to uh, Ken Detzner, the Secretary of State. Yeah, I think this is incredibly frustrating for the voters of Florida to see this happen election after election. We've been having these problems specifically in Broward County now for various election cycles. I think it's time for uh, the adult in the room to step in and put an end to this because imagine this happening in a presidential year with the kind of divisions that we're seeing in, in the country. It, it we be, did in 2000. Well, imagine it happening, imagine it happening now in a much more divided country. Um, and and yeah. that's really bad for democracy. Yeah. Uh, Mark, let me, let me just ask your opinion as a full-time political reporter. Uh, Thursday night, the statement that Governor Scott made, and I want to run a little bit of the sound, but among other things, he said the FDLE, Florida Department of Law Enforcement, ought to investigate this. The FDLE reports to him. That strikes me as kind of a serious conflict of interest. Well, in addition to that, they said, okay, boss, and they looked at it like something, nothing here. Well, and well, so he, he didn't order them right. to. He yeah. suggested. He right. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's dangerous to do that because the average citizen doesn't know the difference between right. making a political statement in public and actually taking his responsibility to order to be done. He didn't order to be done because the FDLE would look for evidence. There is no evidence right. to date there was of no that. probable cause there. Yeah, probable but, cause, there's no. Not, probable cause is a standard of evidence. There was no evidence. None. Okay. Zip. Well, zero zilch. Right now, there is evidence of 20. 22 ballots that oh. may <laughs> should not be counted. We, we're going to in Broward, and there's a real question about what to do with those 22 ballots. But stay with us. We'll talk about that when we come right back. All right, back with the roundtable, clearing up what is a very specific instance of what looks like either incompetence or mismanagement in Broward County. Justin Safey, 205 provisional ballots that were supposed to be checked for whatever might have gone wrong. 22 of them have mismatched signatures, but Dr. Brenda Snipes kind of mixed them all up, what, inadvertently? And so now all of them are being counted, even though 22 of them clearly should not be counting in this election. Right. W what is that? You know, there's an old saying, how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm. And it's unfortunate. <laughs> there's your sound bite today that we will be re-racking. <laughs> it's unfortunate because now we know for a fact that 22 votes that should not have been counted, unfortunately, they got mixed into the valid uh, provisional ballots. And now those 22 votes are going to be counted. And that doesn't inspire confidence about what's happening with all the yeah. other ballots. So yes, we don't have proof of fraud. But there is proof now with this that something is amiss, that something, people's votes that shouldn't have counted are counting, and that raises, raises more and more questions. Well, Why don't you I, just I, say that, that we don't know what party? Right, well, I, I'd like to take a, a contrary view. I, I'm, I changed my signature uh, because when my father passed, I wanted my signature to look like his. So the fact that the signature doesn't match doesn't 
in someone's opinion right. doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't a valid a valid vote. The problem is that that decision should have been made by the should be made by the canvassing board, yeah. and right. now and it not can't. Not by an employee. Right. Uh, it, it's it's uh, like the guy who they... cheated on the test, and the professor say, "I caught you cheating." He said, "Do you know my name?" He said, "No." So he put his paper in all the papers. They didn't know who the hell he was. was. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the problem apparently was that they took those provisional ballots. We should point out. Provisional ballot is when you show up either at the wrong precinct or you don't have the right ID and they say, well, you can still vote, but it's a provisional ballot. Then you have to get back and prove your identity. So uh, it's, it's rare and it's not always reliable. Uh, Mark, let me ask you, I think one of the real mysteries of the Broward uh, results are the undervotes in the Senate race. Wow. 24,700 people voted in other contests on that ballot, but didn't vote on the Senate. Now, what do you think? Was it a design issue of where it was on the ballot, or people simply were angry, you know, and about all the negative advertising? What, what's your no, best I think, guess? I think clearly all polls and surveys show that everyone wanted to vote for agriculture commissioner more than something. <laughs> uh, so it appears that because that was tucked at the lower corner of the ballot, it was missed. Incidentally, if you were to take the totals cast in the governor's race right. and apply it to the Senate race and still apply the same share of vote that Nelson and Scott received, Too Scott's bad. lead falls from about 13,000 statewide to 2,600 statewide. Hmm. There you could start to get in a territory where Bill Nelson might be able to reverse this. I do think it's important to note that the margins are so big in the Senate race, even though it's just 13,000 out of 8.2 or 8.1 million ballots cast, and certainly in the governor's race, and maybe even in the agriculture commissioner race, that you know Rick Scott is probably going to be the U.S. Senator. Uh, Ron DeSantis is more than likely going to be governor. Yeah, governor. And Nikki yeah. Freed, the, the lone Democrat might be standing, is probably going to be agriculture commissioner. You know, one of the lawsuits, one of the plethora of lawsuits that have been filed, um, Senator Nelson's campaign filed in North Florida against the training and um, documentation that the people who are looking at those provisional ballot signatures, matching signatures, do or do not get. Apparently across the state, it is no not a uniform standard. Right. So uh, where, where might that lawsuit go since this, at least one of the races, seem to be riding on provisional ballots? Well, that's very subjective. A decision that has to be made and I'm hopeful that the legislature and whoever the governor is will straighten that out and provide some objective standards for those uh, tough decisions to be made. You know, the cabinet board has to do some of the same things with the overvotes and the undervotes if there's a manual right. recount. Yeah, you got a county it. court judge, the election supervisor, Brenda Snipes, and the circuit court judge. What training do they have? And so we need, we definitely need laws to tighten that up. After 2000, we tighten up the other laws. This is the, one that needs to be tightened. The up. dilemma, though, is so many people now are choosing the convenience of vote by mail, yeah. mm -hmm. and there need, there is needs, and we've had instances in the past where that process can be corrupted because you're not going to a physical location. So matching the signatures is important because you don't want people, ballot brokers, to be going out there signing people's names and turning in ballots. So <laughs> it's a, it's a dilemma. It's a real issue. Yeah. How do we make sure that the, only the people that are supposed to be voting are All voting? Right. Yeah. I, I, I want to kind of broaden our perspective right now a little bit and talk about the results from Tuesday's election. H.T. Um, Smith, on this program, what, five months or so or ago, you, I thought, very bravely said, Andrew Gillum is going to be the Democratic nominee and has a good chance of being governor. So more power to you for being prescient and, and supporting him. My question is, he would have been governor if more black voters had gone to the polls, why didn't they? Well, first of all, this is what a purple state looks like in 2018. 
uh, th unbelievable, three close races. It's more red-purple than it is blue-purple, yeah. but it's moving in that direction. It's magenta. It's magenta. <laughs> magenta. Okay, that's, that, that's for female kind of thing. And, um, I, I think that this is a problem in our community where people feel hopelessness and feel that their votes don't count. But this is something that our community is going to have to deal with. Yeah, well, we still had a 56% uh, voter turnout, didn't we, uh, Giancarlo? Yeah, so it was uh, close to like 60% statewide. Yeah. I also wow. think that a huge factor in this election is that non-Cuban Hispanics who tend to vote Democratic simply turned out in much lower numbers than their Cuban counterparts. So you had a 10-point shift in the Hispanic vote from uh, 2016 to 2018. Had, uh, had for example, had, had Ron DeSantis simply mirrored uh, Donald Trump's performance among Cubans, yeah. he would have lost he would this have election. Lost. And yeah. that, that was something that no one expected after the hurricane that had so many Puerto Ricans moving to Central Florida and and registering to vote. And that that was something that was expected to be sort of a, a Democratic, part of a Democrat wave. But, yeah. but you still had Nunez as his running mate. Yeah, very yeah. capable legislator, well, very well thought of. If you, if you look, though, historically in midterms, the Hispanic vote share drops, mm -hmm. except for Cuban Americans. As the Democratic Party keeps betting on fool's gold to be real gold. Oh, Puerto Rican yeah. voters are finally going to show up in mass. Yeah. Nope. Now that the felons amendment has passed for former felons, they're like, oh, a lot of these folks are African American. They're going to vote. You know, it's the problem is is that the voters that the Democrats have right now, by and large, relative to the Republican voters, aren't good. They don't show. A good example is Dade County has a 56% turnout rate. I believe Sumter County, which is the villages, the big, yeah. relatively uh, white, Older. no, very, white. very white, very old, and very Republican uh, county, uh, the villages is in Sumter. Its turnout rate is about 85%. Wow. Right? Yeah. So these guys are like, hey, I know what we're going to do. There's fewer of us, but more of us vote. Guess who wins that contest? And because of that, I was going to say the three counties where um, DeSantis outperformed Trump the most were Miami-Dade, Osceola, and Collier. There you go. Yeah. 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 Because right. of the lower Hispanic All right. turnout. Hold on. We've got one more segment to go. What he said. Back with more Roundtable <laughs> after the break. Live in our studio on this Sunday, we have a rockin' roundtable <laughs> with Mark Caputo, Giancarlo Sopo, H.T. Smith, Justin Safey. Gentlemen, let's talk, and lady, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about Ron DeSantis because, you know, I think you're right, Mark. He is going to be the next governor of Florida. I don't think there's any way that Andrew Gillum uh, is going to make up this difference. And on Saturday, Mr. DeSantis governor-elect, perhaps, DeSantis, sent out a audio, of, a posted this on uh, Facebook, I believe. Let's run a little bit of the sound from uh, Mr. DeSantis. Those results are clear and unambiguous, just as they were on election night, and I am honored by the trust that Floridians have placed in me to serve as your next governor. I want to express my appreciation to the supervisors, the canvassing boards, and the staffs for working hard to ensure that all lawful votes are counted in this election. Well, this certainly is somebody who is saying, I am the governor. There's no doubt votes were clear and unambiguous. I'm not sure how unambiguous they were. But uh, what kind of a, uh, Justin, what kind of a governorship are we looking at here? More of the same policies of Rick Scott? Yeah, I think two areas. I really think that Governor-elect DeSantis is going to look to his two Republican predecessors, uh, Governor Rick Scott and Governor Jeb Bush. 
I think you're going to see... Charlie Crist, not, not Charlie Crist. <laughs> no. Not Charlie Crist. Not that one. He's now a Democrat. Uh, but I think on the economic policies, Rick Scott's focus from the very beginning was on building the economy and growing right. jobs in the state of Florida. I think you're going to see him uh, do some of the same things in terms of being aggressive on that. And I think you're going to see him try to build on Governor Jeb Bush's econ uh, education reforms, more school choice, looking at um, holding uh, schools accountable for the, for the job that they do educating our children. Can I just point out a big style difference? Ron DeSantis told me, I don't do social media. I'm focused. <laughs> During the campaign, he was not on Twitter. He was not. That, that was a taped thing on social media, blasted out. This is Mark kind of, he's going in the direction of taking the reins of a state in the 2018 social media world? Well, to the victor belong the spoils, yeah. I think he's, he's clearly marking his territory as governor. I do disagree with Justin to one point. He is going to differ from Rick Scott probably on corporate welfare. Is I imagine you're going to see. Yeah. I would imagine you're going to see less of that. Remember, Ron DeSantis was a hard right a congressman, mm -hmm. and he won in a year where Trumpism was ascendant in Florida. So I see no reason for him to back off of that whatsoever. Right, and Giancarlo, one other difference between Mr. DeSantis and perhaps some of the other Republican candidates and even Democrats was he took no money from Big Sugar and as a member of Congress voted against the sugar subsidies and the agriculture bill. So it's quite possible when he says, I'm gonna clean up the waters and the reservoirs south of the lake, I'm all for that. Uh, you know, I think that he may make some progress there. Yeah, we might be seeing a reconfiguring of the state politics over in Tallahassee, which we know that Big Sugar is very influential. I do think one of the, one of the points of concern, though, for looking up to like 2020 is if, say, like if Donald Trump had just simply mirrored what Ron DeSantis's performance in Florida, if you go by the counties, mm -hmm. he would have he would have only he would have lost 80 percent of his statewide margin. So the Republicans have a big challenge looking out at 2020 because of the decline of the, of the support for them in the suburbs. Well, the other half of the state of Florida is concerned about the fact that uh, you can forget about Medicaid expansion for 800,000 people. Right. We yeah. can forget about support for public schools. There will definitely be an emphasis on private schools. And you can forget and, and about school choice. And ch school choice. Mm -hmm. And you can forget about any effective uh, dealing with climate change and things like red tide, et cetera. The, 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 uh, the, uh, those areas, I think, are areas that we need to watch very carefully. I'm gonna hold out hope, though, that Governor DeSantis, the Governor-elect DeSantis, or a Governor DeSantis, he did state in the campaign trail that while he's skeptical about climate change, he does believe the climate is changing. And he does believe we should do things to at least harden uh, ourselves, yeah. so to speak, for the inevitability of sea level rise and uh, yeah. potentially worse that weather. actually said he, he would prioritize that, is what he said right. election night. HT, one question for you. Um, looking at the numbers, I am not a numbers girl, everyone knows that, but looking at the numbers and listening to those who are, this is an insurmountable number, no matter what happens. Should Andrew Gillum, who took back his concession, should he go ahead and concede and stop the recount? No, he should not stop the recount. I'm a mathematics major. The math, the, the math I thought is. Thought you were a lawyer. I, I'm a mathematics major. <laughs> Man of many hats. Right, <laughs> but uh, the, the, it's it's a tremendous uh, hill to climb, and he probably cannot get there. But let's just have every vote counted. So every vote is counted, and we can have a declaration of who the people's choice was. And once the results are in, Gillum and Nelson, if they should lose, should they should congratulate the winners, and they and should pledge. They should pledge yeah. to support the winners, just like John McCain did when Barack Obama beat him in 2008. And I feel confident Gillum will do it. He conceded even before yeah, the election I, was over. I yeah. suspect Bill Nelson will too.